Welcome to Gallagher Security and Focus podcast. I'll be discussing the hottest topics in physical security, experts from the industry. My name's Steve Bell. I'm Chief Technology Officer at Gallagher Security. I've spent more than 30 years developing physical security products, and my goal is to make the world a safer place. I have a particular interest in the very top end of security, where we're protecting the really big stuff. How secure is your security? Hashtag security of security. October is Cyber Security Awareness Month, so cybersecurity is the theme for this podcast. My special guest is Mike Gillespie of Advent IM. You get 20 years in the UK for armed robbery. You take 50 million out of a bank with a computer, you get six years. Because it's cybercrime, it's not bank robbery. With the cybersecurity focus, it is a great opportunity to share some of what we do in our cybersecurity team in Gallagher. So after I talk to Mike, I have two chats with people from our team. The first is with two of the team about OSCP, which stands for Offensive Security Certified Professional. And the second is a recipient of the Sir William Gallagher Cybersecurity Scholarship from Waikato University. Mike Gillespie is Managing Director of Advent IM. Here is how Mike describes his company. We call ourselves a holistic security consultancy because we focus on the convergence between the physical and the cyber world but also we spend a lot of time working with businesses aligning their security strategies with their business strategies and then the final piece of that is making sure that the people are fit for purpose not just the technology because so often when something goes wrong in security it's a humanistic failure rather than a a systematic or a technological failure. I asked Mike what he sees as the key trends in the security industry that impacts cybersecurity. The key thing that we've seen, and it's been talked about, almost became one of the buzzwords of the last four or five years, is convergence. And this is coming about because so many of our traditional mainstream non-connected systems have gone over to being IP-based. And so we connect them onto... IT networks, which gives us ease of configuration, ease of management. Uh, We've got some great technology coming through now that allows us to wirelessly connect devices to each other without needing an actual network. But all of that means that we have to switch on to the idea that these are no longer offline You know, we still use the term CCTV, closed circuit, but it's not closed circuit, it's wide open circuit. We've got access control systems that are wireless based and drawing power over Ethernet and all sorts of things. That means that they're mainstream IT systems and they suffer from all of the same vulnerabilities and all of the same potential uh, attack vectors as other mainstream IT systems do. But they're still largely in the hands of people who have grown up believing that their systems are completely infallible and offline and therefore not open to cyber attack and that's the sort of that's the sort of community that cyber criminals love to exploit so the old ways of doing things still seem to be persisting so what are the biggest challenges these days i think one of the biggest challenges actually is the way in which these systems are procured and certainly in the uk when it comes to the public sector they love a procurement route and so we buy security systems as a capital expenditure so we go out 
we work out roughly what we want then we go out to a procurement route that is based on cost not value and then we have the terminology most economically advantageous tender that means cheapest bid is going to win ultimately so that makes it a drive to the bottom and then we buy the system and install the system and then every year the manager has to go cap in hand and beg for more money for the maintenance of the system because that money hasn't been ring fenced as part of the procurement. Now if you don't maintain an IT system it very quickly becomes out of date. If you don't apply security patches it very quickly becomes vulnerable and if you haven't ring fenced that money for the next 25 years then sooner or later you're going to be the person who's come back for the last five years asking for more money and the patience of the business runs out. So Mike, what should the company be thinking about when it's writing up its processes for cybersecurity? So if we're talking to an organisation, we talk to them in terms of um, having ongoing and agile pen testing that's linked into their change and configuration management. If you make a, you know, if you make a serious system change, then you should be testing at the point of which you've made the change. So you do functional testing and security testing as part of your configuration management. That way, if you've inadvertently opened up your network to the internet, you find about it there and then, not in a year's time when you do your annual pen test. So a lot of, a lot of this involves upskilling our security teams to be able to do some of this testing themselves. So we don't want to be spending a small fortune bringing in external specialist pen testers every time we make a major change to our systems. That's stuff we should be doing in-house. That means upskilling and investing in the training and capabilities of our own security teams. And then we use the external testers for those two or three times a year when we want to have the, the full shebang, when we want to have the full assurance of our system by an independent external. It's a bit like audit. You can be doing ongoing internal audits as part of business as usual, almost on a continuous basis. You don't need to be bringing in a third-party auditor every time you want somebody to check a few things for you. Keeping your software up to date and patched and sure it's got all the latest fixes in it um, is key for the best possible cybersecurity. So how should companies be going about that? Well, I think the first thing is, actually buying from an organization that proactively publishes vulnerabilities and has a, a published patching sk scheme that you can go to to regularly get patches. Physical security is one of those oddities where there's actually often quite a few layers between the manufacturer and the end user. And so it all depends who's then going to be given the accountability for managing that patching. Is it your system integrator? the people who installed your system do you have an installer but then go to a different organization for your maintenance so it's understanding who's going to be responsible and accountable for it but then you need to be proactively checking for updates on a regular basis not just waiting again till the end of the year and then applying them all in one go in some cases with critical systems and especially where you've done bespoke configurations you might even need to have a sandbox where you can test those updates before you apply them to your main network. But we need to understand that potentially, as, a, as an attacker, I could disable all of your physical security without being in the same street, so you don't even get to see me coming. 
if I can attack it electronically. That in turn then facilitates the physical attack. So I take your electronic security offline electronically and then I physically attack your building, your compound, whatever, um, and you have no defences. But the first time you know you have no defences is when I arrive and start attacking you. Now, if that's the case, then our pen testing actually should be holistic as well. So we should be doing physical and electronic pen testing on a regular basis to test our systems. Because if I can disable your access control system remotely, then I can also potentially use that disablement to open the doors at the right time to allow me to gain access to your premises. And when I say attack, I don't necessarily mean a full-on attack, you know, um, armed guards and that sort of thing. It could simply be for espionage purposes that I disable your access control long enough to allow my man to get into your building and facilitate the exfiltration of R&D, IPR, trade secrets, mergers and acquisitions data, anything that could be important and that I could use them for financial gain. I think standards are a big thing. I think there's been some great pockets of work being done on standards, particularly around convergence. Um, so here in the UK, we've got an organisation called CPNI, and they've produced a um, standard called CAPS, which is designed to give assurance at the high end that systems are both physically capable and electronically secure, that their cyber capability is good. But it's expensive and it takes time to go through that assurance scheme. And it's deliberately designed to be the gold standard, it's at the high end. It seems that the UK government has set the standard for protection of assets and this should provide guidance for business. So what about the combination of all the security system components into one overall system? How does this affect enterprise security? If one part is weak, then the whole system is weak. So there needs to be more encompassing standards. And probably those standards need to be developed on an international basis, not just be isolated to individual countries. Because again, the threat is global, so our response has to be global. The threat is holistic, so our response has to be holistic. And if there's one thing that I have found after 30 years in security, is that we've always developed new security defences in response to a new security attack. We very rarely develop a security defence proactively, having forecasted where the next attack will come from. Mike, thanks for being part of this podcast. I think you've got some awesome experiences here. To finish up the segment, can you please give us your assessment of the state of cybersecurity in the UK and the world in general? I think it's important that organisations understand that cybercrime is on the increase and criminals are increasingly turning to the cyber world to commit their crimes. And why not? Because when you commit a crime using a computer, it's white-collar crime. You walk into a bank with a sawn-off shotgun, it's armed robbery. You get 20 years in the UK for armed robbery. You take 50 million out of a bank with a computer, you get six years, because it's cybercrime, it's not bank robbery. You disable a hospital using ransomware, and it's cybercrime and ransomware. You walk in and take a hospital hostage and you're a terrorist. The difference between what we do from a crime perspective 
in the physical world and what we do online and the penalties versus the rewards is phenomenal. But also the jurisdiction thing is causing it increasing problems for law enforcement. When you get mugged in the street, the street is the location of the crime, the victim and the criminal. But when you get mugged online, and there you have the problem, and there is no international jurisdiction around that. So organisations need to understand that that it's no longer a case of, well, I have a business and it's in a low crime area. As soon as you connect your business to the internet, you're in a high crime area, wherever you are. A ransomware attack in the last couple of weeks, which has caused uh, the death of an individual, and the police are currently investigating that with a view to bringing homicide charges. So, and, you know, I don't want to say this in a blasé way, but it was only a matter of time. If you think we saw WannaCry, it took half of the health services around the world out. So it definitely endangered people's lives. But it wasn't talked about in terms of threat to life. It was talked about as a computer virus. And I think, you know, all of us, every one of us, whether in business or personally, actually now needs to wake up and realise that the next cyber attack could create not just individual lives, but widespread loss of life. To me, that is not, that is not white-collar crime. And I think we need to talk about cybercrime and use the right language. Ransomware, it's extortion and blackmail. And, and all you're doing is funding serious and organised crime. And we actually have um, evidence that some of that money even goes on to fund international terrorist groups. So when you pay a ransomware, you've just funded the next terrorist attack. And that's why our knowledge needs to grow and our ability to protect ourselves needs to grow, which means we have to become more proactive, put more money into training our security teams to make them capable. And we also need to understand that the next attack is not if, it's when, and we need to be ready for it, prepared for it. Rob Cowsley and Jeremy Utting are members of our specialist cybersecurity team. There are a set of skills required to assess the cybersecurity risk of a product, and we've decided to get our team trained in offensive hacking techniques to give them skills to help identify our product weaknesses. Rob, can you give us an overview of the OSCP training? So OSCP stands for Offensive Security Certified Professional. It's one of the top qualifications in um, the penetration testing industry. It's normally held by senior pen testers. And it's essentially, it's a way of, they're teaching a way of thinking. So they want you to look at everything as a challenge which can be overcome. And they want you to be able to work out how to overcome it yourself. So rather than having, um, you get maybe 10% of the course is like standard course material and exercises you work through. And then the other 90% is basically in a lab environment where you're left just to go and explore. There's a lot of machines in the lab. You have to discover them yourself. You have to look for their weaknesses. You have to start going through trying to find what you might be able to compromise there. Sometimes you have to compromise one and then jump from that one through to the next one or through to another, or compromising one system can give you a little bit of information to help you compromising another. Another part of the course is learning how to do report writing. 
So the aim is to get you to do the offensive side and then write up exactly how um, how this system can be compromised. And once you've got that in place, you then want to make some recommendations of what things would have made this harder for me or what things would have made this so that I couldn't achieve it. And Jeremy, you're doing the, the course at the moment. So how much is work is involved in it? Um, so I'd say I'm probably doing about 30 or 40 hours a week on it. Um, so you can you can book in for a certain period of lab time. So I've gone for 90 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, basically it, it, it's a lot of work. And that's, I think, part of part of what they're trying to teach is that um, you, you, you do need to have this mindset of um, of trying harder. That's basically the course motto is try harder. Um, and and if, you, if you reach out for help, you you might get a little hint, but normally you'll just get told to try harder. And that's very intentional. They're trying to teach the mindset of if you come up against a wall, uh, don't rely on someone telling you what to do. You need to be able to do your own research, um, you know, maybe, maybe look at why you're running into a wall, and, uh, and, and, and try harder. Um, right. So you do need to allocate a lot of time to it. Do you think there's a, an example of something that we found in our own product that uh, we might be happy to share? Um, Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so we did find one example that we were happy to talk about. So there was the Bluetooth um, access when we were developing that. The cyber team had a look at... Um, the potentials for relay attacks on that so essentially we got a couple of small raspberry pis and some off-the-shelf software we had to do a bit of tweaking with it and such like but we found it was actually possible to do um take one of these devices near someone's phone and then take another one near a reader and it thought that the phone was next to the reader so we we identified that we proved it working with some of the early prototype stuff and threw that back to the development team who then looked at it and um, implemented some challenge response stuff which um, mitigated that. And, and so, you know, really we do that with most of our new features we put out. We get you guys to have a look and look for weaknesses and, and go back to our R&D teams to, to fix them before we, we release it to the, to the wild. Yeah, we aim to look at them ourselves where we can. When there's... Um, either some specialist knowledge we haven't got or it's a particularly risky area, we also try and get a third party to look at it. Waikato University is situated in Gallagher's home city of Hamilton, New Zealand. For five years, Gallagher has awarded a scholarship for a student master's of cybersecurity degree at Waikato University. Jeremy Simon is one of the recipients of the Sir William Gallagher Cybersecurity Scholarship. Jeremy is a member of our cybersecurity team and is sitting with me now. Jeremy, how do you think the qualifications helped you with your work in our cyber team? So the, the muscle of cybersecurity involved doing a, a research project for commercial purposes for a Gallagher product. Um, so I think that, that was a good sort of introduction into doing cybersecurity in a, a business setting. Okay, and so what sort of topic was the project on? Uh, so Gallagher has a mobile application for access control to sort of let you through a door, um, and that was using Bluetooth, and the project was trying to prevent relay attacks against the Bluetooth comms. Traditionally, relay attack detection is based on timing, and timing's not particularly reliable with Bluetooth because of the uh, you've got so many things introducing latency due to the energy savings and stuff. 
So my project was looking at using other factors, say signals that the phone could see, and detect relay attacks based on those factors rather than timing alone. And since uh, joining Gallagher, you've gone through the um, OSCP course um, and become certified for that. Um, can you tell us a bit about how that's um, helped you with your, your work? Yeah, so the OSCP was sort of a different angle on the, the cybersecurity space, focusing mainly on penetration testing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that's, that's very useful for uh, what, testing new product development and products that we're integrating with. It's essentially a threat modelling approach of once you've enumerated it, then try various problems that are likely to occur with various services it's exposing. We at Gallagher believe that um, you know, we'd like to see more and more people um, get trained up with uh, cybersecurity skills. Um, what would you say to other students that may be trying to decide whether they want to um, move on to doing a Master's of Cybersecurity at uh, Waikato or other places? Yeah, I think that can be a, a really good choice if cybersecurity is something you're truly interested in because um, a, a lot of the cybersecurity space requires quite a lot of um, personal investment and mainly in time to sort of learn and get familiar with uh, techniques and technologies. Yeah. So, so so is it pretty technical? Do you, you have to learn a lot of technical stuff for it? Uh, the, well, there are non-technical aspects to it, which are the sort of things that I find less interesting, like the auditing and uh, policy side of things, but that's something for everybody. Yep. Um, the, the technical side of it that I'm more interested in, yeah, it can get very technical and you need to be willing to spend the time to sort of learn on your own. But if that's interesting to you, then it can be a really good choice for a degree. I hope you found the Cybersecurity Podcast interesting and useful. If you have any comments or suggestions, we'd love to hear them. The best way to do that is to leave it on one of our social media channels um, on LinkedIn or Facebook. Thank you.